we have a capacity to create complexity where there's simplicity. We have this capacity to uh, accumulate a, a far-reaching range of ideas which seem to complicate everything that we turn our attention to. And it becomes increasingly difficult for us to basically, inwardly, sort ourselves out. And we find that in the wish to sort ourselves out, it seems to be, at varying points along the way, a factor creating more complexity, creating more confusion, and so we don't know if we're coming or going. We don't know if we're following the right or wrong way. We don't know if what we hear is true or untrue. And we don't trust ourselves. And so it seems that in our state of confusion there is an obvious loss of balance of mind and we try to explore and find ways to restore that loss of balance. Suffering, psychological, emotional suffering is nature's way of indicating to us how far we are away from balance of mind. And so the suffering which we experience and the degree of it to some degree or other tells us how distant we have come from that balance or steadiness of mind. And so we seek and explore ways to redress the imbalance. Obviously, at the outer level in one's life, a person has to give consideration to what we might describe as every major department of one's existence. Because balance at the outer level is how something exists in relationship to something else. How this ex exists in relationship to several other things. And the mind which creates its own wave of imbalance in life invests and comes to depend upon and exaggerates one department of life which blows this out of proportion and to the very degree that that is blown out of proportion other areas of one's life, other departments of our life recede into the background. And so we live, we exist so easily as imbalanced human beings.
a meditation practice shows to us naturally through working with it what has too much of a priority what is it in ourselves which we have become so involved in psychologically speaking that it seems there's too little room in our mind left for anything else and one of the pains of course in our experience is when we begin to see it clearly can be quite painful so we, so we take as a first step the seeing factor seeing element of, of mind which enables us to be aware and through that look to see how one can balance, out of, balance one's life out sometimes that means quite consciously and purposefully and deliberately enhancing that which one knows one is neglecting so you have to ask yourself and I have to ask myself in some of the major areas of life where is neglect occurring? that can obviously take expression in a variety of forms and human development and human opening and human expansiveness is this bringing out in, or bringing into awareness everything work, relationships, experience with the nature, leisure time, diet, exercise, sleep, reading, movement, sitting, state of body, state of mind, state of mind, body, spirituality. So that in, in the diversity of our, of our life, working, finding ways to balance this out brings to some degree or other a greater sense of balance. With a greater sense of balance, and this is why one has in the religious tradition such an emphasis on virtue, on ethical action, action which enables us to have a certain harmony, a non-violent, non-exploitive communication with life. In allowing and in, and in cultivating that in our, in our way with the world, that contributes to a certain quiet harmony with things, with others, and in that, harm, in that harmony that becomes the first stage towards working towards a deeper harmony 
This is fairly self-evident, surely. If things are not sorted out in your personal life, if things are not clear in, air, in some of the major areas of your personal life, it comes up in the sitting and up in the sitting and up in the walking, etc., etc. Because the balance isn't there, the harmony isn't there, and that harmony prevents one from finding harmony and deepening harmony. So at times things in our daily life have to some degree be sorted out. One has to come to some understanding about what can be changed and needs to be changed. Must be changed. What cannot be changed cannot be changed and therefore must be accepted. and one must come to an agreement, we must come to an agreement in ourselves about ourselves in our world. That is the first stage of harmony. Making the next steps to harmony and balance, and all that is beautiful in a human being, is to look and see, in a simple way, something which again appears to us often as being so complex. And if our heart, especially in our thought and our being, can learn to see more simply we'll see much more directly. And the whole idea and state of purity and simple, simpleness and direct seeing are all very much related together. A kind of heart's expression of a care and focused interest. And in a careful and focused interest, the simple Simplicity of reality can start showing itself. And that means we just take our world as it is. If we take our world as it is, we take what's happening in our world, what's happening in your world. Your world is what happens around you, what happens inside of you. My world is what happens around me, what happens inside of me. And in that world which we experience, what makes its impact, or what is noticeable to us, is contact. We, you and I, we make contact with the world, and the world makes contact with us. And, with that, and within that situation of contact, this world appears to us the way that it does. And out of that contact, a whole process begins to get underway. And you and I, in our daily life, we live this process, we relive this process, we relive it again and again and again. But because so frequently we, we fail to stop to look at this process and the sheer simplicity of it, we forget 
it, we ignore it, and we live without a balance of mind. And the first expression of life is contact. That contact which is made either comes through our senses. I make contact with you right now. Your eyes are open. There's a contact through the eyes. If the ears are uh, still listening, <laughs> then there's contact through the ears. Through that we have established in that from one moment to the next you and I have established a relationship with each other good, bad or indifferent as it might be that's our relationship and that contact which we make and which we make throughout our life produces inside of oneself and, is, and that contact is the condition for some kind of feeling Somewhere there is some kind of feeling. Contact can be the past, a memory. Image comes up, make contact with that image, feeling is produced. There's a contact which comes up as a thought about the future or whatever. Contact and there's a feeling. There's contact in the present and there's a feeling. Maybe a neutral feeling, maybe a pleasant feeling, it may be an unpleasant feeling. But on that feeling and on that contact, contact, we build up our entire framework of existence. Our whole view of existence is shaped by that event. And we spend so little time at it. As human beings, we have almost forgotten to use our senses. We don't know how to use them anymore. We like to think we do, but we don't. The use of one's senses, which is the means, the door, as they're called, for the contact, means the use of our eyes and our ears and our nose and our tongue in a completely totally mindful and conscious way. And in any total conscious application of our senses to whatever is at hand or whatever is appropriate is a major factor towards the mind not only finding its own balance but maintaining it and restoring it. Contact produces feelings, the feelings become the stimulus for internal action and the internal action has its effect on the feeling sphere and shapes everything. You make contact with the breath and turn to one's attention to the breath 
produces a sensation, pleasant, unpleasant, painful, <coughs> neutral. And there is a, a feeling there, some feeling arises or occurs in one's mind, one loses that contact and in the loss of contact the mind begins to maneuver itself and take formation and shape and that fashions our view and determines our life. And so our life then is not actually related to the contact with the world the way that it is but to the activity inside of our mind which, which is the way we look at the world. If you and I sustain in our life a sustained frequency of true contact with this world our lives will be very different. There would not be this complexity and confusion. We can put it in another way. We suffer because we don't live in the world. We experience joy and beauty when we live in it. So what happens? What happens to ourselves when we, 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 we make a contact? The feeling occurs. You think of somebody. You think of somebody who doesn't live, is, who isn't here. You have a pleasant feeling about that person you've seen, you remember that person, you remember that time, that experience, that night, or whatever it may be. And out of that feeling which is produced, that pleasant feeling which is produced, it creates a whole motion, attraction, desire, interest in. And in that whole motion of activity towards that particular person, that person can become invested with all manner of belief that within that person there is one's personal security. There is one's personal happiness, <coughs> there is one's personal direction, there is one's personal fulfillment, there is everything. <laughs> and it all can be directed to one from contact, memory, or pr a person in the present, and within that, the whole mind starts gathering up speed, working itself up, and throwing lock, stock, and barrel of everything out to him, out to her. And it's not unusual that the same person can be on the receiving end of half a dozen minds. And since we live in a monogamous society, <laughs> And we lose contact with the world. We create an imbalance in our mind because it's all gone in one direction. There's a restricted view of existence and a little bit of change, that person 
withdraws. That person doesn't reply. That person looks over her or his shoulder to somebody else. And that movement and attraction and leaning and dependency on, and there's one step away and the mind collapses on itself. Bang, suffering. Loss of balance. Loss of staying in touch. And as I said, we do it again and again and again. Where the hell are we ever going to learn? (laughs) (laughs) So we see that the contact and in the contact that produces the feeling, the contact is the, the, some form of image or idea, some way or other, past, present or future. We put all that feeling into that and all the attraction and the desire which goes along with it. Unsatisfactory for oneself, directly or indirectly, placing pressure on another or others and a loss of reality, simple, ordinary reality. So, the, so in our looking, you see, where is that happening to me today? Where have I been experiencing this in some expression or another? So that we're very clear where it's happening. So that there can come about Either in that contact feeling, the capacity to be capacity to be just with the bare bare feeling factor itself, just feeling that, whatever that may be, pleasant or painful or or whatever, just just feeling it, keeping in touch in contact with the feel the bare feeling itself in which the imagination, the projecting factor, the expectations, and the build-up through the frequency of use of images, all the kind of build-up which keeps something sustained, takes secondary place. Just feeling. So that one begins to develop some way of working in our life, some kind of awareness and which is that we begin to see where the feeling factor is there, just being conscious of that, where we get caught up in the desire force of the mind. we can get in touch with what that means in the major areas of our life, really can begin to see that contact feeling, desire, turning towards, turning away from, either way, begin to be more clear about that, understand that more, learning to work with it, the learning to accommodate it, learning to be in touch with it, the mind must find its balance.
the preoccupation, the fascination with gets reduced. And of course, there are many situations here in, medit- in, a, in, a, in a retreat which are um, excellent, they're I- ideal for um, working with it. It doesn't matter whether one is, whether one is whether it's subtle or gross level or whatever, but the w- willingness to work with it can bring about more clear freeing, seeing. Sometimes you, you okay, you, you, go, you go to sleep at night, you're fagged out after a hard day, <laughs> hard day of doing nothing but sitting and walking around here. <laughs> <laughs> and you wake up in the, wake up in the morning contact. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's contact and there is immediately contact, bell contact, unpleasant feeling arises, turnover, <laughs> desire to move away from, stay locked up. And it happens with such frequent, such ease, such, such frequency that the whole of the retreat, the most exercise we've done in the morning is turnover in our bed and that's been... <laughs> <laughs> and someone, someone starts the day with that contact and the day and the world being the nature that it is the character of the world is that regardless and one might say relentlessly we keep making contact with the world Therefore, we affect the world because of our contact and our, how we are in that contact. And the world makes contact with us and affects us. And that is life. And so sometimes in more subtly, subtlety, we, pick that, we begin to pick that up. We begin to pick up. You're walking past the tea urn for the 237th time. <laughs> And one is standing there, <laughs> making up one's mind, the big decision of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a contact there. And whether the contact is through the eyes or whether it's through the back of the head, one knows one has a relationship with that tea. <laughs> and out of that, it again produces the same movement of mind. The feeling, and the feeling produces uh, desire, and the desire is, do I follow it through, or do I let it go? That becomes one's existence. Sometimes one follows it through, sometimes one lets it go, sometimes one doesn't know. And any one of those three can be a major source for imbalance without understanding. Some people hear the, um, smell the food at 
5.15 in the afternoon and they're so keen, they're quite willing to queue up for 15 or 20 <laughs> minutes <laughs> until 5.30 and I only wish to assure people that the cooks won't run away with the food. <laughs> <laughs> that it will come out at 5.30 and I do promise you there will be enough if you come at the end of the queue line. But sometimes the mind is contact, feeling, attraction towards, queuing and <laughs> waiting. <laughs> and one is once again caught in the cycle. And it's this a, a capacity in which one contact goes on, obviously. The feeling response goes on, but there is, through the observation of that, the growing capacity, when something is worth letting go of, letting go of it. When, one, when something is seen, so seen directly as a practice, letting go. Generally, but not always, one's experience is the following through. Blindly just following through the pattern of mind. And it's not the question, obviously, whether one eats, drinks or whatever as the issue, but as a part of one's practice here, seeing that process, seeing how one is as a human being in this process, which is the process which is common to all beings who live on the face of this earth. So we're seeing it. We're looking at seeing contact, feeling, the desire, and that movement which takes place. And within that, there are the seeds for understanding, clarity, and balance, and there are the seeds for the greatest confusion and difficulty. And perhaps part of that clarity which is necessary with regard to that is, and this is where intuition comes in, is the contact is made, one experiences something or someone, and the intuitional factor is not so much charged with desire and, and, and avoidance, not so much charged with indecisiveness, meaning one way or the other, but the intuitional factor is the seeing of the contact directly, the feeling, and the direct action which follows it. Sometimes that means that awareness which is able to say yes, and it's that same awareness in life which is to say no. In a, in a clear unequivocal way without regrets. When the mind is caught in its wavering 
ness in that simple process I've spoken about, and is caught in its wavering, shall I or shan't I? Do I or don't I? It means that the desire force is swinging towards one moment, swinging away the next moment, and simply going backwards and forwards. And that backwards and forwards activity of the mind is obviously as much painful as just blindly following up or fearfully avoiding. Among different ways of working with that, one of them certainly includes our application of the breath. Sometimes just taking a few long, deep, relaxed breathing and just refocusing the mind itself is sufficient in that time, particularly of, of wavering, when one's, there's contact and a subsequent confusion, to just steadying and direct acting and going, following it straight through. That mean, may mean, in the simple examples used, it may be clear action towards or clear action in another direction. It may be waking up in the morning and the, in, and the unpleasant feeling arises, so normally there's the mechanism of withdrawal, avoidance or whatever. It may be waking up in the morning as a part of one's whole practice, seeing the unpleasant feeling knowing intuitively that the unpleasant feeling arising is not the measure of all things, is not the final arbiter of, of right action. <laughs> and, therefore, and the intuitive sense is cuts directly through that feeling and so that the feeling is not the measure. And if that practice, if you can follow, follow the practice of that means that intuition is not a feeling. It transcends feeling. And intuition restores clarity and balance of mind. In making, in making this contact with the world, the impact that the world, the world is having on us, and all that is, all that is uh, implied in that, any kind of balance, again at a deeper level, also is less complex. One of the things of the mind in its deepening and the deepening of itself is that it moves away from seeing things in a complex way to seeing things much more simply and directly. And it's willing, the mind becomes more and more willing to deal with, the with things directly as they show themselves to us. That, as referred to a few minutes ago, there are some things in our life which we cannot change. Events external to ourselves which we don't have a direct bearing and influence on. 
Sometimes it's the mind of another person. It's the employer who fires you. It's a climate which is around whatever it may be. Circumstances which are not directly under our control and influence. And sometimes where that impact is such that the world changes us and that's the fact only initially, I mentioned that, initially there must be total acknowledgement of that reality. And so we find it as human beings in world making contact with us in a way which is disagreeable to our feelings that it can be so hard to acknowledge the reality of that world's message to us. It's so hard for us to truly see in our life we can't make life the way we want it to be. Nobody. Not a person on this planet. We can have an influence, we can affect things, we can develop things, but in creating an, a utopian or ideal situation, we are, are unable to do it and the whole planet expresses it. <laughs> That's the fact. If we live with the fact, we can live in peace with it. And it's that, so there's, a, there's that a connection with life which is able to acknowledge the way things are, and there's that connection with life which is now able to see life in such a way that where we can bring about action, bring about intuition, bring about another form of communication, we begin to make it happen. And sometimes that means going beyond just that feeling which arises. Not taking that feeling as a proof of anyone or anything. Not making that a measure, not defining and constructing our world on it. And that's hard for us to do. speaking there about the feelings which lead to attraction, desire, attachment, clinging, holding, possessiveness and so forth. It's quite different. The world makes contact with you, you see a flower, you just see the flower, there's a feeling there, the feeling is one of appreciation, one just acknowledges that flower, that fact. It doesn't need to I want that flower, where's the nearest pair of scissors? Well, it, and it might, it does in our society. <laughs> so there's just the bare contact, the bare feeling, the bare direct acknowledgement of that. We have to be able to find that 
in our communications with each other. Be able to see and acknowledge and be clear and be clear about so this unsatisfactory process of holding and clinging and clutching onto begins to lose its grip in our own minds. You get a little sense of what is being what is being said. It will might possibly increase our awareness and appreciation of what we say for the umpteenth time that there's nothing to be gotten from awareness. There's nothing to be gained from awareness. Some time ago, I was mentioning it to somebody today, <coughs> I used to go and see a man in South India, old fellow named Nisargadatta, whose book, I Am That, is fairly well known on the scene here. <coughs> and Nisargadatta likes to have dialogue, can, can be fiercely questioning, so I went to see him, who was uh, ordained at that time. And the uh, first question he put out, as I remember, the, I remember it anyway, the first question which he put out was, how long have you been doing these, these Buddhist meditations, like we, we, are, we are doing here? And I said, well, some, some years. He said, after all these years of doing this, we'd come across quite fiercely, he really likes to push. After all these years of doing this, what have you got from it? And I looked at him and I said, after all these years, I've got absolutely nothing whatsoever. And he looked, looked again, smiled, <laughs> gave you a big hug. <laughs> so, the changing process of the mind, the, the inner way of, of looking, is such that it's not the getting, but the losing. Not the having, but the letting go of. And anything which comes out of that for a person, such as balance of mind, such as well-being, such as inner contentment, all of that is secondary. For the one who senses the, the beauty of seeing directly and knowing where to let go, where there is holding, where the, and knowing where there is a, a love of genuine inner freedom in life. This movement towards to having and to holding, the mind loses its whole interest. Out of that loss, 
of interest. Out of knowing that there is nothing to be gained, intuition is direct with this world. And therefore has a transcendent nature to it. and beyond our, just our momentary feelings. Beyond the thirst and drive and ambitiousness of the mind. Therefore beyond limitations. Your beings be fully aware of contact may all beings see what comes out of contact may all beings live directly <laughs> 